Well, hey, good morning, church fam. Thank you so much for joining us for online church and being a part of what God is doing here at New Hope Community Church. Just want to say uh, thank you for joining us. You know, I really miss you guys. It's been about seven months since we last had in-person church service at Aina Haina Elementary School. Uh, and online church is cool and all, doing church in your pajamas and having coffee in the living room or doing church whenever you want. Maybe some of you guys are watching through YouTube right now, uh, on not on Sunday morning, maybe Monday morning, whatever it is, or Sunday night. Uh, but it's not quite the same. You know, I was talking to, to a friend earlier this week and, you know, he was having uh, just some stomach issues with ulcer and everything. And he really had to restrict two things. Uh, one is spicy food and same thing was coffee. And it's been a real struggle. And he was just sharing about, man, you know what? What I love in the morning is just waking up and brewing that coffee when you smell that roast of the coffee and the aroma just kind of fills up the kitchen. Sit down on my table with coffee and the Bible and praying together and praying and just writing down and journaling and sipping coffee through that whole process. And these last almost month, I had my Bible and I had water. You know, and he goes, it's just not the same. And I said, yeah, it's kind of like online church. It's not quite the same. But all that to say is that we, we love you and we miss you. You know, Paul tells the church, hey, I can't wait to have this face-to-face fellowship. And that's what we're looking forward to. But uh, anyways, uh, today is our Stronger Together Sunday. And we're going to go through a pretty uh, famous verse Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But before we do that, you know, if there was any doubt at all or any sense of taking it for granted, I think COVID-19 has really taught us and reminded us how much we need each other. You know, that old cliche, you don't know how much you have until it's gone, uh, but that cliche has some truth to it. Because having to distance ourselves from each other, and it's a, been a powerful reminder of the value and importance of our need for connection, how we're stronger together. We've all been living through the most tangible reminder in our collective lifetimes that we need each other, that we belong in community, that we are that life is not meant to be lived alone, and that we are much stronger together. As a brief um, setup for this morning, uh, in Ecclesiastes, now Ecclesiastes is what we refer to as a wisdom literature. And uh, usually the, the speaker or the writer identifies himself as the teacher or the preacher, depending on what Bible translation that you have. Um, And the book is usually credited to Solomon or a writer for Solomon. But um, most of us are familiar with the book of Proverbs with these short, pithy statements of wisdom. Um, But I think not too many of us, with the exception of going through the Bible journal through the years, read through the book of Ecclesiastes. And it could be a little bit uh, difficult to read And it could sound downright bleak in different spots as the writer explores about 
life and the futility, futility of life or the emptiness of life. And ultimately the book, it walks through some of life's ironies and empty pursuits, but it, it points us towards trusting God as the only absolute. And it gives us many insights and principles and truths along the way, which brings us to Ecclesiastes chapter four. So let's go ahead and turn there. Uh, verse nine, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Did you catch that last part? A cord of three strands woven together is not easily broken. Now, most of us have used a rope at one time or another, but have you ever looked closely into a rope? Um, if you look closely to a rope, a rope consists of several or many different type of strands that are braided together. Individually, these small little strands might hold a little bit of weight, but when, it's, when these strands are woven together, that their strength multiplies exponentially. Let me ask you this. You know, in Coco Marina, people do the banana boat and they're being pulled by the rope. Would you rather be pulled behind a boat with a line of craft string or behind a braided nylon of a tow rope? How about this one? Would you rather mountain climb on the thousand foot uh, rock attached to a line of yarn or tied to a climbing rope? Rope is a pretty amazing tool. We may not use it every day in our lives, but back in the days, it was a revolutionary tool. You could use a rope, and it goes far back as you can in human history. I mean, think about all the different things you could do with a rope. Rope meant you could catch or tie up an animal to keep it or to lead it, all of which could lead to food and to survival. Rope, you could pull heavy or, and hoist heavy objects, which mean you could build things, structures or homes or pyramids if you were the Egyptians. It meant that you could carry something or move something. Um, funny story, you know, when we helped uh, Pastor Pat move into his new home, it's a second-story home, and he, for some strange reason, he had this heavy bed that just kind of, um, inclines and declines and he had a motor and it was heavy and we had to bring it up to the second floor through the narrow stairs and we had to use um, ratchets and, ho and a hoist so what we ended up doing was we there was about six guys we used we ratcheted that bed and we lifted it up over the balcony and into his bedroom ropes are very useful but here's the most important thing about the rope, that it has always been made by twisting 
and weaving multiple strands and fibers together to make it stronger than one strand alone. So even in its earliest forms, ropes, um, people will grasses or reeds or bark strands together to make them rope-like. But as time passed, people learned how to use fibers from plants. All this talk about ropes, what's the big, what is the big deal? Well, we're very much like the rope, you and I. We are stronger when we are woven together with each other and with Christ. And that happens on multiple levels. I want to explain today just three ways or three strands of our rope, if you will, that will make us stronger together. The first is this. Would you write this down? Stronger in Christ. Stronger in Christ. Now, when we talk about strength, we must begin with the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Jesus is not only our source of strength, he is our strength. Um, the very famous passage, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do anything through Christ to what? Strengthens me. Now, Paul was talking in the context about contentment, and he could live with a lot, or he, he could live with very little, but in the bigger picture, he was describing this reliance and this dependence and sufficiency in Jesus instead of himself. You see, Paul understood that Christ was his life. He understood the truth that Jesus taught his disciples in John chapter 15. Let's go ahead and turn there. Verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, here's a thrust. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus would often use things in his environment around him and landscape. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? He talked about, hey, um, the lilies of the field, right? The grass withers, the flowers fade. And I could just imagine maybe in this case, Jesus was walking past a grapevine. It's a vineyard picturesque in, in ancient Mediterranean countryside. Now, uh, grapevines, much like rope, they're interwoven across trellises. And it's spread, spreading out with wide, leafy branches filled with plump and juicy grapes. But it's the vine that is the main stalk or trunk of the plant. It's the vine that is planted down in the soil, sending its roots to draw water 
and nutrients from the earth and spreads it to the branches, to the grapes. Now, I'm not much of a drinker. I'm uh, actually allergic to alcohol. It's a blessing and a curse. I get that Asian glow, you know, and... Uh, but wine connoisseurs, they often talk about um, terroir of the fine wine. The terroir are the flavors and characteristics of a particular grape that come from a specific location and geography and soil of a vineyard's location. From the terroir, you can find different factors from each year's harvest, the amount of moisture of soil, Sunlight, storms, dryness, the heat and the cold, all these characteristics are transferred, listen, from the soil through the vine and into the grape. Now, you know, when Renee and I had a, had a friend who was an executive chef, and executive chefs, they have a little network and... Um, he sent us to one of his friends that had a restaurant. And because I'm allergic to wine, we had a sample, a taste course of different olive oils. They said, oh, this one, this olive oil is from Africa. It's a little bit more earthy. And this one's from South America. It's a little bit more fruity. And this one's from California. It's a little bit more tart. And, um, and you could tell uh, the, the flavor of the olive oil from the roots and from the ground. Now, all this to say is that the vine influences everything about the grape. The vine is the source of the branches and the fruit. You don't have to be a wine connoisseur or a farmer to know that if you cut the branches from the vine, those branches are dead. They'll shrivel up quickly because they have no life source. Their strength and their vitality are that vine. Without that vine, they are lost, disconnected, and starved for life. This is why Jesus reminds us to remain in Him, to abide or to live in Him. Jesus is our source of life and strength. He is the strength that we draw upon to live our lives. So whatever challenges come along our way, whatever human frailty we may experience, we need to be rooted and connected in Christ. From farming and the vine to where you're at, do you believe that this morning? Like seriously, do you believe that apart from Him, you can do nothing. Maybe you've gone along in your life and you've made well for yourself. You went to a good school. You have a good paying job. You live in a nice home. And you've done this all without God in your life. Can I tell you this morning, could it be that the God of the universe and His grace and His mercy has been blessing you, that your life 
hangs in the sovereignty and the goodness of who God is. Lamentations 3 says that his mercies are new every morning. The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. You may not know it, but the goodness, the chesed in Hebrew, the steadfast mercies of God has been so good to you. And you need to come to a realization this morning, you and I, that we need to be connected to our source and to our strength, which is Christ himself. That apart from him, apart from living in him and through him, we are nothing. That even when we are weak, which takes us to our second point, would you write this down? We are stronger in our weakness. We are stronger in our weakness. Now, Paul shed some light on this area of weakness. He talks about this thorn in the flesh. And I think the Holy Spirit made it obscure for us so we don't define what it is. Some people say it's a sickness. Some people say it's a condition. Whatever it may be, he has this thorn in the side that he, he identifies as his weakness. Let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And this is the paradox of the Christian life. This is the kingdom of opposite. It's a different way. It's a revolutionary way of living and looking at life. Jesus says, if you want to save your life, you must lose it. If you want to be first, you must be last. And if you want to experience strength and grace, we must come to terms with our own weakness, our own failures, our own shortcomings. Because in our weakness, His grace is made perfect. Jesus has given life for us. And when we accept and we receive that gift, He gives us a new life and a transformed life. See, we can try and try and try as much as we want to change, to improve, to find satisfaction, to be strong, to, be str- to overcome our own problems, but it doesn't work. As a, as a writer of Ecclesiastes says that it's all meaningless without God, that everything is vanity. As Paul discovered that we can't shake that ongoing flaw and struggle on our own. But Jesus, because he's gentle and lowly in spirit, Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light, says, Hey, 
I got this son. I got this daughter. Abide in me. Rest in me. Live in me. You're weak. You're helpless. You're frail. But that's okay because I am strong. Your weakness makes room for my strength to shine. You know, it's like a little bit of that rope analogy, right? That rope, it proves itself under stress. You can tie it around a heavy load or you could clip your rock climbing harness into it and it's ready to go. But not unless you're hanging a thousand feet in the air do you feel the strength and the value of the rope holding you up. When we are weak, there's no doubt that it's the strength of Christ that carries us through. And lastly, we'll close with this. We are stronger together. Stronger in Christ. Stronger in our weakness. But we're stronger together. Together is where Christ magnifies His strength exponentially as we live out His love as the body of Christ. Each of us, we're like that one strand. That together, we're not easily broken. When we watch each other's back, when we carry each other's burdens, when we pray for one another, we forgive one another, we love one another, have grace for one another over a hundred times, in the Bible, you know, in the New Testament, there's this Greek word alelon, this adverb that says one another. It is this what this dynamic of one another that we are stronger. We're woven together like that rope into a much stronger unit to support each other and function as the hands and feet of Christ here on earth. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, we form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We as human beings, from dust we came, from dust we return, we were made and we are made to be together. We are created in the image of our triune God whose being exists in Father, Son, and, and the Holy Spirit, this relationship. We need each other. We're stronger when we can lean on each other for support and understanding and help. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says that it is not good for man to be alone. Do you know that this was the first instance in biblical history that something was not good? In Genesis chapter 1, there's this theme that everything's good. Day 1, God created the heavens and the earth. It was good. Day 2, it was good. Day 3, it was good. Separation of land and water and trees and fish and everything Birds of the air, beasts of the field. Day one through five, it was good. Day six, God created human beings. God created Adam. And 
the contrast there in Hebrew, it says tov, tov, it is very good. It is very good. Not just good, but it's very good. But in Genesis 2, you have to understand, sin did not enter the world yet. There was no injustice. There was no sickness. There was no death. They lived in this uh, uh, utopian existence where something is not good. The lion and the lamb, they lay down together. But the instance where something was not good is when Adam was alone. When man was isolated, it was not good. If you think about, uh, you know, um, those who are incarcerated, like the most severe punishment besides death that you could give is what? Solitary confinement. No connection, no relationship, um, no dialogue, no interaction, just isolated and alone, and it is not good. We are born, we were made, we were designed, we were created to be together in relationship. From the moment we're born, we need human interaction. You know, scientists have made like fascinating discoveries about the powerful recognition and bonds between newborns and their moms. It's why hospitals, they would um, regularly have baby cuddlers who hold and soothe premature and sick newborns when their parents can't be there or they need a break. On the other end of the spectrum, there's a large body of research linking the lack of human touch in orphanages to infant mortality, failure to thrive, and developmental delays. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need to lock arm in arm as a cord of three. It's not easily broken. I mentioned this before, but, you know, draft horses, these big, powerful, muscular horses. I don't know if you uh, seen those on TV with a unhot, um, Budweiser commercials where they have those Clydesdale horses, those big, powerful animals. They've been used for centuries to pull great loads and move heavy objects. That a single draft horse, it could pull a load up to 8,000 pounds alone. But if you pair that draft horse with another draft horse, can you guess how many they can do? You would think 16,000. Nope. Two draft horses, they can pull three much, three times as much at 24,000 pounds working together. So this morning as we wrap this up, may I remind us, remind you, that we need first and foremost, you need to be connected to Christ. Go back to the lover of your soul, the creator of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, 
who formed you and knew you from your mother's womb, who, called you unto, who calls you unto himself. He wants to connect with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Would you go back to your first love? Now, research is telling us that 30%, one out of every three practicing Christians during this time of COVID stopped going to church. They say um, 50%, I believe, is of millennials completely stopped going to church this time of COVID. Young people, we need each other. We're stronger together, but also in our weakness, depend on Christ. Come to Him as we are. Foibles and all, warts and all, Christ's love is so deep that he receives us as we are. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this morning that you remind us how much we need you. And Lord, uh, there's some here that feel disconnected. Maybe they haven't been attending church. Maybe it's been a while since they've read their Bibles. Maybe um, it's been a while since they prayed. But Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would convince them, persuade them, oh God, to be connected to the vine. Lord, where else can we go for you alone have words of eternal life? So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them near. Lord, I pray, God, for some of us, Lord, who feel like our weakness, uh, it's too much, that we're overcome by our own shortcomings. But Lord, I pray, oh God, that we would realize that in our weakness, your grace is made perfect. So Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would turn our weaknesses into strengths when we connect to you. And Lord, I pray right now, oh God, that we would see the need, Lord, of how much we need each other. That we would not only turn to you, Lord, and turn to each other, but we would run to you and run to each other. So, Lord, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we're able to worship you in our homes, in our cars, and, and hear your word and be challenged and be transformed, be inspired, Lord, to grow more like you, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.